You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Hey, Jules, thanks for coming out to the island. Thanks, Tony. Nice to be here. Jules, everybody gets the same welcome to Max's Island. This is the opportunity for you to tell our listeners that time in your life where you did something for yourself, where something came into your life that really influenced a decision or something that just came out of the blue that you weren't expecting, but you've accepted and made it part of your life. Jules, what has been something like that that has happened to you? Oh, well, the thing that comes to mind is um, an experience I had last year, which actually started the previous year in that I made a decision with a girlfriend to tackle the Cape to Cape trek. So it's a 124-kilometre trail down the southwest all along the most beautiful coastline and we decided that we would hike it and we spent a year going on hikes and getting a group together and then last October the time came round for me to tackle this 124 kilometer hike which was unbelievable just a, just an incredible experience um, the most beautiful scenery it was really hard one of those oh my goodness, what am I doing? Can I do this kind of experiences? You know, between 15 and 23 kilometres a day, hiking up steps and rocks and sand dunes and along soft sand in the beach and the wind. And um, really, I went with a group of women. Um, We had a group of, I think, 11 all women and hiked it over seven days. And it was just yeah really an incredible experience so was the motivation simply to get away and have an experience with others over a period of time or was it the physical nature of pushing yourself for 120 odd kilometers look I actually had ended a relationship that was a bit toxic and I was really thinking deeply about what it was that I wanted to have in my life and I realised how many things I'd stopped doing and um, I reconnected with this this friend and so I I suppose it was a little bit 
about pushing myself and a little bit about reclaiming me and and connecting with women. So yeah, so it ticked all, all three boxes. And was there a particular highlight in the time away? Oh, so many. But, I, you know, the, the third day we started and my feet were taped. Um, I had purple toenails. I had compete all over my feet. And I can remember setting out that day thinking, oh, how am I going to make it through the day? Because every step was just really painful. And um, actually, it was just the most incredible day. I learned that really mindset is just about everything. And um, I spent probably half the day contemplating, uh, do you know the quote about walk as though your feet are kissing the earth? I really started to think about that deeply for probably about three hours and realised that um, it's a lot easier when you tread lightly and uh, rather than, you know, trudging along. And I just saw the most incredible things that day, um, beautiful coastline and um, a beautiful osprey in a nest. And, yeah, it was that for me, I, I suppose, to get through that day and to know that I had mastered it and felt so alive was really amazing. Has it inspired you to do any other treks? I, I actually would love to do the Bibbleman, which is a bit huge, and I think I'd like to find someone who's willing to do it with me. But, yes, and I, I'd love to, to go over and do the, you know, the one that, that you go through Spain? I think that would be incredible as well. I don't know whether that will happen with this, you know, current current context of COVID, but... Um, yeah, I, 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 love the, I love the challenge that's physical and mental, but that being out in the space of the beautiful world that we live in is incredible. We, we had another day on the hike where we went down into women's country and the, the guide took us to a place where women would go, Aboriginal women would go and have their babies and, and live at certain times of the year, and that was that was a really incredible day too. To be there with a group of women, all of us with our own stories in a place like that was amazing. So immediately after the, the trek, what was your mental, I don't want to say mental state, but what were you thinking at the time? How were you feeling after, immediately after the trek, you know, when you got home? Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a strange feeling, isn't it, when you do something that's quite transformative and physically challenging and then you come home and I was sitting in my lounge room feeling a little bit displaced, quite reflective, feeling very strange to be sitting in the middle of the day <laughs> and just thinking about all that I had learned about myself and also from each of the women that I did the hike with you know, I learned something about who I want to be from each of them, which was really special. So I, I was thinking a lot about the friendships that I have with women. And yeah, I guess, who did I want to be? And what, what was the next thing for me? And how were you planning that? Or, or had you, did you get into the planning mode straight away? 
No, not really. I, I, I think I was very conscious of the connections that I'd made, both to the people that I hiked with and to myself and in a strange way to the land. And I, I really wanted, I didn't want to rush. You know, sometimes we do something and then it's like, what's next? I actually really wanted to savour and remember and reflect and capture what I had learned. So I was journaling. I was in the lounge room journaling and um, really thinking. And the other thing I did was I thought about each of the women that I had hiked with and, and the particular thing that I had felt that I learned from them or I felt inspired by. And I was sending them each a message just to, just to acknowledge you know, that, that thing about them, that, that quality or that characteristic that meant so much to me in them. So that was quite special. So you really must have been sort of in the zone, in, in that uh, yeah. sort of reflective zone of, of um, basking in all the great things that had come out of, out of your time on the track. Yep, very much so. So what happens next? Well... <laughs> As I said, I was messaging the different women that I'd been on the hike with and I then noticed that I had a message come through on Messenger. So I went in and couldn't see anything and then realised it was a message request. So went through and, and found this message. And I, as I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, is this some kind of scam? You know, sometimes you get them. And it was basically, it was from, from a woman who was asking very randomly if I would be willing to take a DNA test because she felt we might be related. And she'd been researching her genealogy through Ancestry DNA and she traced her lineage back to a woman called Amy Nignette. Now, Amy Nignette was my great-grandmother and I found out hmm, maybe six years ago that my grandmother was Aboriginal and that her mother had been an Aboriginal woman, Amy Nignette, who'd married an Englishman, James Bowron, and she died before she turned 50 and he had remarried and then sort of got covered up. So my dad and his brothers and their their generation no one found out really until maybe 15 years ago that that they had this ancestry so anyway I knew Amy Ninette was my great-grandmother and here I had this person suggesting we might be related and she gave me a couple of names of I suppose second cousins so I thought oh maybe it's not a scam it would be easy to understand I think that that's a scam you know, we see so yeah. much of that sort of thing online. And um, uh, I wonder if you weren't in such a reflective space, you might have rejected that request. If, if it was, if you were in a different situation, a, a more stressful situation, you may have looked at it more skeptically and not looked into it as much. Definitely. If I'd been in my kind of work busy mode, where you know I kind of had limited headspace I might not have even bothered to have a look or to read it so it could have sat there for 
you know, quite a long time and then maybe just got deleted. So definitely being in that quiet, I've got time space helped me to sit and, and, and to read that, that message properly. Um, well, how long did it take you to do something with it, though? Well, I, I actually replied straight away and just said, look, and, and she, she had offered to pay for the test if I would be willing to take it and completely understood if I wasn't um, prepared to do it, but could I please let her know? And so I responded with, a, you know, of course, I'm happy to help you. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, my, I grew up not knowing my dad and um, I was raised by my mum and my grandma and I, all I really knew about my dad was his name and where that he'd moved to Canada. And, and that was all I knew about him. I had met my grandparents, but we, I don't ever really remember talking about my dad with them and they passed away when I was a child. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I didn't actually meet my dad until I was an adult. And, of course, living in another country, I haven't had a lot of contact with him over the years. So, so finding out about that side of the family has been a later in life occurrence. And, and he left my mum before I was born. So they weren't together at the time that I was born. So to have somebody out of the blue ask these questions with the little bit of knowledge that you did have of perhaps a, uh, a non-traditional upbringing and family structure, it probably wasn't such a big surprise that somebody was claiming to be related to you. I was quite intrigued and I... Uh, so I, I did flick a message back and say, of course, I would be happy to do it. And then just out of curiosity, ask what year she was born in, how old was she? And her next message just really blew me away. She was born in October 1971. And she was, so she was about 13 months younger than me. And then she mentioned that her mum um, had lived in Meriden and that was where actually my dad had moved to um, once he left my mum so I straight away went oh, whoa <laughs> I think this might be my sister and you know I, I have often wondered if there was another child out there I didn't think it was out of the realms of reality for that to be the case. So this was really shocking, but not surprising in a way. Anyway, when I got her message, I said, I think we need to talk. <laughs> so <laughs> we, um, she called me and we, um, we spoke on the phone for probably maybe 45 minutes and Oh, it's funny, isn't it? I, she just was lovely and we clicked straight away and we had a conversation. She, she'd been given some information about the family and had actually thought maybe she was one of my uncle's children, but then I explained to her that my dad had been the only one to have children and 
uh, I said that I, I think actually you might be my sister. So during the conversation, you said you connected and obviously because you're talking about something that's deeply personal to you and she was talking about something deeply personal to her, that makes sense that you connected over the, the knowledge that you both had. But was there any other feelings that, you know, were you overwhelmed? Were you excited? Did you feel like you had intense empathy for her? How did you feel during that conversation? Yeah, I, it, you know, it's strange because I've, I've got three siblings in Canada and, and, and varying degrees of relationship with them. And then I've, I've got siblings here in Australia as well. I felt I felt a really deep connection. We we're, we're both similar age. We're both on our own. Both live with our daughters. We're both studying social work. We're both quite passionate about the same things. We both love being outdoors. And so there were things, those things became woven into the conversation we were having. So that it was really special. I, when she was telling me about her life, I did feel intense empathy for her. And one of the things that struck me was my mum's the second youngest of a very large family. And when, you know, when my dad left, the whole family really gathered around her. And I had two aunties offer to raise me if she felt that she couldn't, uh, but she said she never had any doubts that she wanted me and that I, you know, she's always considered me to be her treasure. And my my sister, you know, had the opposite experience of her mum told no one. She left the country and went to another country and went through with the pregnancy and placed her up for adoption and then came back to Australia. And unfortunately, she passed away a few years later. So, you know, I, I guess I had a lot of intense feelings around that because we had such polar opposite experiences. And, uh, you know, I, I felt, I really felt her loss. How long was it before you did the DNA exploration? So I ordered the DNA test the next day and then the waiting uh, began and the whole process took uh, probably about eight or nine weeks. And in that time, we, you know, we were messaging and, and emailing and we did, you know, FaceTime a few times and just sharing more information. And so... Um, you know, she she started to dig a little bit deeper, and I, I suppose having met me and and had more information, she was able to go back to certain connections she had with some more information. And actually, what we've found over the last few months is all these really, it's, it's a little bit like um, you know, neighbours rural WA style. We found all these connections to my mum through people in Meriden who were, you know, related to relatives of my mum and people that moved from Meriden and went to live where my mum grew up and, and, you know, they'd had contact with her. And it's really, it's quite 
it's quite amazing that we yeah, that we you know it had taken all this all this time 50 odd years for us to um to connect when really there were so many connections and not such a great distance between you know the places where these things occurred that must be really interesting and just yeah. the way you just described it to think that that information's there it's always been there that knowledge has always been there it's just that you didn't have it and she didn't have it and by you connecting you're able to uncover so much of information that was already there and and stories that were already there and then link them together to get this fuller understanding of what had happened way back then in the in the early 70s yeah yeah and I, I have been able to share with my mum and it, it's been you know she's she's had really she's maybe even in a way had stronger feelings than I have had about the loss um you know and thinking about um, my sister's mum and what she went through and the decisions that she made and being so different to the ones that she did she sort of has had this real feeling of of almost like that those maternal instincts towards my sister what happened when you got the results how did, how did you feel then you know you've, you've had eight weeks of communicating you've exchanged information the logic logically it was it seemed like there was a connection. There seemed like there was enough common information to, to, to prove that she was your sister. What happened, though, when you got that final information? Did it change anything? Was it still a big shock for you? No, I just, I knew. I, I would have been more shocked if it had come back saying that she wasn't. So I just, it just confirmed what I knew. Yeah, yeah, there was no, there was no doubt in my mind that she was my sister. And did you get any sense of how she felt about when you were able to confirm it? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, it's, it's a strange place to be in while you're waiting. And I, I, I wanted to get to know her, but I was also, I suppose, mindful of here's this person who has been waiting for her whole life to find out things about her family. And I could imagine not wanting to get my hopes up if it was me. So, uh, yeah, I was mindful of, you know, not wanting to crowd her or, you know, make assumptions but also to have that door well and truly wide open for communication. So it was kind of lovely to get the confirmation because then, you know, we didn't have to, we didn't have to worry about being disappointed anymore. We could just dive in. Um, and so that's been, that's been really lovely. And it's, it's, it's really nice having been, so with my, with my other siblings, I'm the oldest by quite a lot. So it's quite, it's quite special having someone that's close to my own age and quite lovely to have someone who, it, I mean, we spoke the other day and we're both doing the same unit at uni. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, 
it's pretty amazing. It is Um, pretty amazing. Yeah. So, you know, to have someone who has similar values and um, some shared passions, that's really cool too because you don't always get that with your siblings, do you? You know, sometimes you can be quite different. So uh, that's been been really lovely. And we're both intensely interested in the fact that we've got Indigenous heritage. And I think for her more so in a way because she... She has um, darker skin than me. And growing up in New Zealand, she always knew she was adopted, but people would ask her, say, oh, you know, are you Maori? And she thought she must be. And then when she found out she was actually Australian and um, came over, she, you know, that's, that's sort of been a question for her. So we're both really interested in exploring um, our history a little bit more too so it's nice to have someone in you know who's who has that same interest as me because I know what no none of my other siblings do really. Jules you said that she approached you so at what stage in her journey of discovery did she discover that she was she had an Indigenous background because you mentioned that you you discovered about 15 odd years ago um, how recent in in did she discover that? So it's only been since she did the um, Ancestry DNA, which is, would have been in the last couple of years, I think. And, and actually, it's probably, well, it, I mean, it, it is that, but she had someone contact her out of the blue because they uh, were doing some research on a particular family in WA and the name Ninette popped out to them. And so they contacted her actually to ask her for more information to see if they, she could help them with their research. And when she explained her situation to them, they, um, they're quite, they've done quite a lot of work in um, genealogy and genetics. They actually set about helping her. So um, she had this really knowledgeable person who was able to help her to trace her family and and he's actually been instrumental in connecting the two of us so you know if she if she hadn't you know if our if our great grandmother hadn't been an aboriginal woman she may not have got that extra help Jules it's really exciting for you I'm sure that you've you've now got this sister an opportunity to build a relationship with somebody who seems like is spiritually quite close to you with all the serendipitous things that seem to be happening in your lives again I I really need to reflect back to that evening when you got that first message and you were were in such a, a lovely space because you're reflecting on a magical trek 100 odd 120 odd kilometers connecting with some soulmates. Do you wonder, again, I asked the question, do you wonder whether things may have ended differently if you had have been in a different space? Oh, I hope not. But it certainly is, it, for me, it's a, it's a reminder to, for those pauses, 
you know, how, how powerful they are and how we do need to take time every so often to pause and reflect and stop and think about the life that we're living in, you know, how we want to live it and who we want to be. Otherwise, I can imagine we go through life fast-paced, onto the next thing, getting things done, and I wonder what we miss in the process. Jules, that's a great way for us to end your visit to the island. I think that's a pearl of wisdom that all of the listeners on Max's Island would really appreciate. Thanks so much for sharing with us. That's something that's very private, and but I'm glad that you were able to, to share it with the listeners of Max's Island. And I hope that the relationship with your sister continues to flourish and that you enjoy each other's company for the rest of your life. So thanks for being on Max's Island. Thank you so much for having me. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and no play. And how, how had it turned out this way? Phone and nothing.